Welcome to my podcast and thanks for listening. Today I'm going to be talking about another activity that is dear to me in midlife, traveling. Today's episode is entitled Travel Tips 101 for Midlife or Any Age. Today I have a special guest, Bev, who has traveled much of the world by making all her own arrangements from flights to hotel rooms to activities and who will be joining us in a few minutes with some travel memories and tips. I know exactly when I got the travel bug. It was in 1975. My school had joined a trip to Britain with a student travel company who arranged all the flights and accommodations and attractions. I think the price was around $300, $300 which our family definitely did not have. But our mom was from Britain and I'm sure she scrimped and saved and deprived herself so that I could see her homeland. And I was hooked on travel and remain hooked five decades later, traveling as much as I possibly can. As a side note, little did mom know that we just might have learned more about the British pub culture than about British history. But I did learn that there's a world out there where the people are just like us, but with their own customs. Yes, traveling is fun and adventurous, but it is also an activity that is good for people in midlife, as it stimulates the brain and emotions, juggles up routines, keeps us active, provides something to look forward to, broadens viewpoints, builds confidence, enlightens us about the world, and gives us something to talk about. You know my motto, always have a story to tell and a gig on the go. But travel can take many forms and it's all good as they say. Some people love to use travel agents or escorted tours, which allows them to sit back and enjoy a trip with someone else handling all the logistics. Other people do not have the resources or physical ability or the desire to travel so they can see the world by reading books and watching documentaries and listening to podcasts. That is an excellent way to travel too. Right now, we prefer to make all of our own arrangements when we visit the world. And Bev is going to join us now to share some experienced advice. So welcome, Bev. Thanks for having me, Deb. So first, Bev, tell us how you caught the travel bug and how many countries you visited. From a fairly young age, I loved to travel in North America. But our first trip to Europe in 1983 really opened my mind to the wonder of world travel. I was extremely lucky to be able to travel for work. And as such, I've been to 49 of the 50 U.S. states, just Kentucky to go. Worldwide, I've had the privilege of visiting 24 countries. I think that's a few less than you, Deb. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but um, I know you've got me beat as far as the states go, but it must even out, I think. What is one specific travel memory that stands out as a wow moment that you thought was just the most amazing time ever? Where were you and what was happening? Narrowing, narrowing it down to one is so difficult. Seeing sites I've seen in books or on film always amazes me. Things like the Colosseum of Rome, Cristo Redentor in Rio, the Statue of Liberty in New York. But 
It's often the lives of people that can make you stop and watch in awe. For instance, we were in a cherry alley Sicily for Carnival. I always thought that Carnival would just be a crazy party, but it wasn't in a cherry alley. There was a parade of amazing floats, but first there was a parade of young costumed school children, and families were out together just enjoying the day. We loved watching them. Well, that sounds like a great memory. But of course, not all travel goes as planned. What is one experience that you will never forget because it either did not go as planned or was maybe a little fearful? And I might have been involved or not. Yes, Debbie, I think you were in this one. I don't think we will ever forget our arrival in Barcelona, Spain in October 2019. Of course, we had done our planning. We knew exactly what we would do when we got to the airport, which metro line we could on to get to our hotel. And we were happily on a flight from London when the pilot came on the speaker to tell us that there was a situation at the Barcelona airport. That day, the Spanish Supreme Court sentenced nine Catalan independence leaders to between nine and 13 years in prison. Within hours, thousands of protesters descended on the airport, effectively closing it just about the time that we arrived. There was no way to leave. We stood in a packed hallway until eventually we were at least able to make it outside. There we watched as the protesters and the police force stood off against each other. Finally, after about four hours, a metro line was opened and we crowded on a train with other travelers, as well as many of the <laughs> protesters, and we were able to make it to our hotel. Although we were never really scared, we truly felt like we might be spending the night on the lane in front of the terminal. <laughs> oh goodness, that was quite the scene and it's one that we will never forget. But I am a little bit surprised, Beth, because I thought you were going to remind me about the time that we were on that packed bus in Queens, <laughs> New York. And a poor fellow got on the bus and he was dripping in blood and behaving quite erratically. And we were quite scared, but the funny thing was the New Yorkers were nonchalant and took it all in stride and handled the situation and hopefully the poor fellow got some help. That was a moment, that's for sure. <laughs> Sometimes it's those unexpected moments that build great memories and the key is to stay calm. So Beth, the big question. I know you arrange all your travel. How do you go about that and what are some tips that you would give for arranging flights and accommodation? Planning a trip is one of my favorite parts of travel. <laughs> You need to be prepared to spend a lot of time and take a lot of notes. Once we've picked a destination country or countries from our list of potential trips, I check online for flight options. Living in Canada, we don't have a multitude of carriers to consider, but I look at the major ones to see what options are, there are for routing and which suits us best, for a competitive price of course. We usually will pick a round-trip flight to get us to a major destination, for instance, London in Europe. Then, we work on developing an itinerary for what cities or areas we are going to visit. Online again to check carriers between these cities. 
By plane, train, bus, or sometimes we have found that a private driver can be a competitive option. Then it is just online booking. I'm a strong believer in booking directly with the carrier. The prices are generally the same or better than using one of the travel websites. And it just eliminates an additional variable that could cause a problem or interfere when there is a problem. For accommodation, again, it takes a lot of perseverance. I often start by checking out some of the popular hotel booking websites. This gives you ideas of the hotels in the area you want to go to. Then I go to the actual hotel site to see what they offer and check the prices. When I'm interested in a property, I check reviews, lots of reviews, on the booking or travel review sites. You can pretty quickly tell if a property suits you. And one thing, remember to read between the lines in those reviews. There's always someone that is unhappy that the beach was too sandy. <laughs> Again, I book on the hotel site itself and often follow up with a personal email after booking. You never know when a friendly overture will get you an upgrade. There are, of course, the private accommodation rental sites, and we've used those successfully in many areas, but that could be a whole other topic. That got me thinking about a couple of things, and um, I know I've found um, that once you've made the flight over to Europe, flights within Europe or train travel is actually quite affordable, isn't it? certainly is much more so than in North America. Right and um, as far as accommodations go um, I don't think I'd be lying at all to say that we've checked over a hundred hotels in one city when we travel. Yes definitely. And I love the um, suggestion you gave to follow up any bookings with an email uh, to the hotel directly because I know that often uh, you know, gives them a little bit more information about you and comfort with you and um, often it ends up on a, you know, one of the rooms on the top floor. So Bev, what about getting to know a new city and arranging activities or seeing the sites? How do you do that? Well, I usually start with guidebooks. As you know, Deb, I'm a big Rick Steves fan, but there are lots of great ones out there and it's nice to have a variety. This can give you a great overview of the city. Just remember that you have to double check things from the book as they may become outdated. Then it's back to internet searches. Most cities have visitor information pages which can give you a lot of good information. And travel blogs can give you a, some great insights into personal experiences. So at this point, I'll give a plug for my travel blog it's a long and winding journey at wordpress.com. Take a look if you have a minute and you might find something that will give you some information you'd like or some inspiration to visit a place. That's a great blog to check out. And um, I guess I'd just like to add to that, that you know, when you're reviewing guidebooks, um, not to get caught up in thinking you have to see every cathedral and every museum, because Europe is just packed. Everywhere you turn, there's a cathedral or a muse museum that are just major. And I know you and we often just uh, drink coffee or have a glass of wine in a little cafe and watch the people go by. Absolutely. 
One other tip when you're in a city, take advantage of the staff at your hotel. They can often give you great advice on things to do or places to eat. That's great advice too. So what are the absolute minimum necessary items to take on a trip? Well, when we're leaving home and I'm in my anxiety about having <laughs> packed everything, I always say that unless we're going to the middle of nowhere, all you absolutely need to take is your passport, your credit card, and any prescription medications. However, if you are like me and you also couldn't get by without your iPhone and its built-in camera and your iPad or computer, make sure you have those. And it's good to make sure you have what you need to charge these devices in the country you are traveling to. Of course, you could buy these at your destination. Again, as long as you have that credit card. <laughs> take, the clothes, take clothes that you can mix and match and layer for variable weather. And remember again, if you are in a civilized area, you can find a laundromat to wash what you've got or a store to buy what you need. I still struggle with the amount of clothes that I pack, but traveling with minimal luggage is winning me over. That kind of reminds me of that trip we took where for the very first time we um, found the uh, machines that do the washing and the drying all at once. Yeah, they were fabulous. <laughs> Laundromats in Spain are great. Yeah, and um, I know some people find it hard to believe that you can actually travel for weeks on end with only three pairs of pants and three shirts and you just keep juggling them up and think of all the different combinations you could have. Exactly, and really, you're not... Um out there to impress the other tourists on the street with what you're wearing. No. Finally, Bev, what are some precautions you would suggest to avoid or to handle misfortunes in a foreign city? Well, one thing is, in the world of today, you probably should include masks in your luggage and your vaccination mm -hmm. records. You never know when a mandate or restriction might be reinstated. Have backups of your documents whether it be hard copies or copies in the cloud, as well as on your devices. Take a photo of your passport and identification and have a record of the number to call if your credit card goes missing. Because if you don't have your card, you won't have that number that's written on the back. Don't carry everything you own with you. Pare down your wallet to the essentials and leave the others at home. And when you're actually traveling, leave what you can in the hotel safe if you have one in your room, just taking what you need for the day. Always be alert, but don't beat yourself up if you're the victim of a pickpocket. They can be anywhere and it can happen to most anyone. As English speakers, we are so fortunate. In most places, you can find an English speaking person, but it never hurts to have a translation app on your phone and learn a few key words or phrases. Hello, please, thank you in the country's language can go a long way in helping establish a good rapport with the locals. Remember, do your homework before you go. Travel forums, blogs, etc., can inform you if there are areas you should avoid or things you can do to ensure that problems don't arise. And again, ask that hotel staff. They want you to stay safe, they want you to have a good time, and they can often help if a problem arises. But finally, don't be scared to see the world. With a little common sense, the majority of places are there for you to safely explore. 
I love that last comment because I think it's important to remember that um, all those cities, especially over in Europe, they're so used to having tourists and in fact they rely on tourists that um, the people are just more than willing to help out and if you have questions the police are very friendly and also willing to give you some good advice. So those are some really helpful insights into traveling Bev and thanks for sharing them with us. So if you are able, arranging a trip can be truly rewarding. It actually becomes part of the trip itself. It's like a huge game or puzzle or project, fitting all the pieces together and then enjoying the finished product. And it puts you in the moment during the trip. It really keeps you on your toes. Maybe this podcast will encourage you to dip your toes into trip planning. It doesn't have to be a world tour. It might just be a trip to a nearby city that you've always wanted to visit. But planning isn't for everyone. And remember, using travel companies and going on escorted tours or simply traveling vicariously through books and documentaries is just fine. They can help us to keep our brains nimble in midlife. The key is that we continue to stimulate our thinking and our experiences as part of healthy midlife aging. So thanks again for listening and please check back for future podcasts. And Bev, I was thinking, how about we meet again for a chat over a glass of wine, maybe in a hotel lounge in some foreign country soon? I think that sounds like a great idea. I'm excited about it. Okay. Thanks a lot for joining me, Bev. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.